From the beautiful city of West Hollywood, we bring you Film Forward, the official podcast of the Los Angeles Diversity Film Festival. Hey, hey, welcome to Film Forward, everybody. We are still practicing our social distancing and our self-isolation. So once again, this episode is being recorded remotely. So again, bear with us if you uh, notice a slight audio dip in quality. Hope everybody's staying safe out there. Hope everybody's staying sane. Most importantly, hope everybody is staying at home. Today's episode, we're doing another Gimme 3 episode with one of our favorite filmmakers and our first ever returning guest, Miss Ali Shu. Ali, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so honored to be your first returning guest. Absolutely. We're, we're honored to have you. If you guys want to uh, check out the previous episode with Allie, it is available. And check out her film, Our Way Home. That screened last year with us at LADFF. One of like, what did you, that movie got into like, what, 300 festivals, Allie? <laughs> no, I think it was about 10. <laughs> 10, 300. <laughs> Same, same, same thing. thing. Same yeah. Thing. <laughs> but yeah, check check out that episode. That's a great episode. And Allie, how are you holding up? How are you holding up with this self-isolation? Um, I'm okay. It was a little bit stressful at first. Um, I live part-time in uh, San Francisco, and so I made it out just in time before they ordered everybody to stay at home. Wow. Um, and so I'm now back at home at my family's home in Orange County, and it's been really nice to just chill out a little bit here and ride this wave out. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you were able to get out and get to the family. So today's episode, like I said, we're doing a Gimme 3. We're a little late in recording this episode, but as they say, better late than never. March is Women's History Month, so we thought we would like to explore some of our favorite female directors throughout film history. Each of us are going to provide three films directed by women, and I'll just preface this episode by saying how tough it was, I think, for all of us. We were kind of going back and forth in emails how tough it was for us to narrow down this list of, you know, nine films. So this won't be, if you're if you're upset that we've left somebody out, don't worry, we will be doing more of these odes to, to women directors just because there was so many great ones that didn't make the list that we, that we really wanted to talk about. But alas, here we go. Here's nine great ones for you. Ladies, we ready? Yes, we're ready. ready. <laughs> I am ready. Oh, I forgot to mention, we are joined once again by LADFF Festival Director Sonia Maru. I forgot because I've been spending every day, every hour, every minute with her. <laughs> it's like I'm invisible because we just see each other so much. Well, I guess, so I get to go first, Yeah, right? Sonia's going to start us off. Okay, so I'm going to start with probably the most well-known of all of the directors I picked, Sofia Coppola. The film that I wanted to highlight is The Virgin Suicides. I assume many of our listeners have seen this movie, but it really, really, it's just such a great movie. It's an adaptation from a book. It's about five sisters who have very overbearing parents played brilliantly by James Woods and Kathleen Turner. And these five sisters are beautiful and creative and kind of free spirits. And they're just browbeaten with religion and chastity and, you know, proper behavior. Anyway, it leads to some virgin suicides and maybe (laughs) also some non-virgin suicides. But yeah, super amazing movie. It stars Kirsten Dunst as the kind of main sister Lux. And um, it's also the first movie I ever saw Josh Hartnett in. And I was like, like, oh my God, Trip Fontaine, who are you? He plays the sexy football 
star of some sort. But yeah, have you guys both seen it? I actually haven't seen it, but um, it reminded me of a movie that was definitely high up on my list, but wasn't one of the three that I'm choosing is uh, Mustang. Mm. It's a Turkish movie by this uh, director. Her first name is Denise. I don't know if I can pronounce the rest of her name, but um, it also explores five sisters. And I'm sure that Mustang was inspired by Virgin Suicides by your explanation. Oh, really? Is Mustang new? It's newer. <laughs> okay, cool. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think it came out like four years ago. Yeah, yeah. So maybe. Okay, cool. Yeah, I think Virgin Suicides, I want to say it's like from 1999. Wow. It's Sofia Coppola's first feature. It's really cool. And the soundtrack is one of the things that really pushes it into that realm of being just a special, special movie. There's songs that I will never hear without thinking of the like exact scene from Virgin Suicides when it was used. Crazy on You by Heart is one of my favorite scenes in the movie. Yeah, I love it. I think it is a audacious debut. It's really, really impressive. It's got a lot of style. All the performances are really good. It's really dark in the best ways possible. Kathleen Turner is so much fun. Like she's such a so much fun. Unless she was your mom. Unless she in was which your case, actual she's mom. Not fun yes. At all. Yes. I I had a great mom, so it's fun to watch a mean mom and go like, yeah, <laughs> that must suck. <laughs> But it's also fun to watch Kathleen Turner be in a Sofia Coppola movie. Kathleen Turner was in a movie by Francis Ford Coppola called Peggy Sue Got Married. And Sofia Coppola played her little sister. Oh, wow. So it's kind of fun to have Sofia Coppola, you know, direct Kathleen Turner in this out-of-the-park performance. It's really kind of cyclical. (laughs) Hadn't even made that connection, but that is true. Yeah. Virgin Suicides, that's a great first choice. And Sofia Coppola... I think everything that I've seen her do is terrific, and I'm sure or hope that we have many more years of Coppola films on the deck. Yes, I agree. So I'm going to take it from there into my first one. Personally, I mean, I'm doing okay with this self-isolation thing. The thing that I'm not doing okay with is the lack of sports. I'm dying without sports. The last time our country lost sports like this was uh, in World War II when all the male athletes and specifically baseball players were drafted. So then what happened? Philip K. Wrigley, he started the All-American Girls Baseball League, or A League of Their Own, which is my first film directed by the late, great Penny Marshall. The movie covers, you know, the inception of this league uh, and its first season, but it kind of focuses on two sisters in particular and their relationship. You know, the film does take some fictional liberties, but a great deal of it is accurate, and it's... It's got a banger of a cast, Gina Davis, Lori Petty, Tom Hanks, Madonna, Rosie O'Donnell, Gary Marshall, David Strathairn. Wow. Who else am I missing? John Lovitz. (laughs) It's a popcorn movie, you know? I'm sure most of our listeners have have seen the film. It's a classic. It's on TBS like every other day, I think. (laughs) (laughs) I watched this movie probably like a hundred times. It was like one of those VHS tapes that was like on loop in, in my house. Like my mom and I grew up watching this movie together. So um, it's got a special place in my heart, but I just, I, I can't get enough of it. And every time I watch it, I just melt into it. Have you guys seen it? I've never even heard of it. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> JK, Nick and I did a duet of uh, this used to be my playground last night after we finished watching oh, yeah. it. <laughs> 
there's that famous line there's no crying in baseball <laughs> yes exactly uh which i think is like one of afi's top movie quotes of all time there's no crying in baseball <laughs> ali have you seen it i actually haven't but i i need to you need to i mean it's a fascinating story you know about this professional women's league that came about in the early 40s so you know like you can imagine what a shake to the system it was yeah uh, and they go into that in the film but also just i was thinking about this today while i was watching it like the film was made in the early night the film was made even before the wnba was out so wow. i mean it was it was still a shock to the system when the movie came out 50 years later so i mean check it out if you haven't seen it check it out if you have seen it it's worth a rewatch, especially now if you're missing sports like i am it's important to recognize just how important sports is and how much it can heal a country. It's also good to watch a movie like this, you know, because like this movie takes place in a point of our country where we were very depressed. You know, we were going through some some mad shit and, you know, it shows how we can pull together and rebound, which I think is good to have those kind of reminders of, you know, we've been down before. We'll, we'll be able to bounce back. Hopefully, hopefully, or I'm lying. <laughs> yeah, and we should be supporting Tom Hanks, too. Yes. As he, as he recovers from the coronavirus. It works on so many levels, this movie. <laughs> All right, Miss Allie, let's get your first one. All right. Well, my first one is one of my favorite movies from Hong Kong, which is called A Simple Life. It's also based on a true story similar to A League of Their Own. And it's based on the story of Roger Lee. And he's a filmmaker in Hong Kong as well. But Anne Hui, um, who is the director, she came in and created this beautiful film about Roger and his nanny his like basically their the maid that he grew up with as she's like nearing the end of her life and so she suffers a stroke at the beginning of the film towards the beginning of the film and then she asks Roger um, whether or not she can go into an, a nursing home and we see sort of like the Hong Kong nursing home and what that looks like and, and the, the potential friendships she's, she makes and, and the bond and relationship throughout the whole film between her and Roger. And Roger and Atal, the maid, um, are both played by very well-known Hong Kong actors, Andy Lau who's like in Infernal Affairs, which The Departed was based on, mm -hmm. and also Dini Yip. And Dini Yip plays a woman, like the character is much older than she is, and her her performance is just so, it's amazing, like the, the amount of work that she puts in into her character and then also into the her physicality. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Have, have either of you seen it? Yeah, I've seen it. I, I really really love the film especially miss ips performance is just yeah it's a juggernaut the first thing i'll say about the movie is don't watch it while you're hungry because there's a lot of really <laughs> yeah. amazing food scenes yeah but i just love how not melodramatic it is you learn so much about their relationship without any overt exposition without any melodramatic scenes of them like pouring their hearts out to each other like you see their relationship how it's grown over the years and like how their, both of their mindsets have changed about each other during this time, like without them saying it, they just show it. And the performances are just really, really beautiful. It's just a, it's a beautiful, beautiful film. Yeah. And they, they ended up shooting a lot of the scenes in like the real places of where the real Roger 
and his nanny and maid where they hung out and everything, except for the the nursing home that was different. Gotcha. I thought that was cool that like they used some of the same locations. Yeah. Wow, what an amazing love letter for for that uh, for that producer to do for his nanny. This would yeah. make a great pairing, actually, with with uh, with Roma. Yeah, in a way, like if if uh, Roma was the first film, this would be kind of like the continuation. You know, if you like followed that story, you know, thirty or forty years down the line, this is uh, this is where oh yeah, pick that'd be cool. That'd be a really cool pairing. Yeah. <laughs> um, we can recommend that double feature. Our last episode was double features for. Self-isolation. Yeah. So we can can add that one to the list. We'll toss it in. (laughs) Allie, that's an excellent first choice. I'm very, very, very pleased you picked that. Sonia, let's get your second. Okay. My second film was nominated for Best Foreign Film at the Oscars in 2019. So not the year the Parasite won, the year prior. And it's a Lebanese film. It's called Capernaum, I believe is how you pronounce it. Anyway, it's uh, directed by a woman named Nadine Labaki. It's just, well, first of all, let me say the main character is a child and his name is Zane. Mm -hmm. And he, I found out after watching the movie, was like a non-actor, like Syrian refugee. I think he had been in Lebanon for a couple of months when she found him. And he's the star of this movie and he's just like incredible. But yeah, it's basically the story of a young boy who is suing his parents for giving birth to him. That's the premise. He's in jail. He's like 10 um, and he's in jail. You later find out why. So I won't give that away. Yeah. He's suing his parents for giving birth to him. And then you basically see all of the reasons why he hates his parents and like the, you know, the incredibly horrible circumstances that they live in in Lebanon. I'm always hesitant to like say too much because I didn't know anything about this movie and I don't really want to give anything away, but I will say the only actor in the movie that steals the scenes from Zane is like a two-year-old baby. And this baby is the most incredible actor in the world. Like I don't understand how he and the director pull off this performance because this baby is performing and just wrenches your heart out. And yeah, so it's kind of the story of these two children, um, but there's there's a lot more to it. And it's not a particularly happy movie, but there is something really beautiful about it, you know, even though it's, it is pretty sad. Yeah, it's it's not a happy movie, but it is it is an important movie. I agree with Sonia. I think each one of us has picked movies that have some of the best child performances I've ever seen, actually, which is kind of fun. Yeah. Yeah. In this movie, these two kids are unbelievably good. I, I don't know how Nadine got these performances, but she did. God bless her. Nadine Lavaki, she's actually an actress. She's like one of the biggest actresses in, in Lebanon. And she, I think within the last 10 years, has made the switch over to filmmaking. And she's an incredible, incredible director. I hope she keeps, I hope she keeps directing because she's really really good check it out it's uh, a heart grinder as i like to call it <laughs> that it is i also thought it was worth mentioning that zane who i said is the lead non-professional actor is now acting in his second role of his career is a marvel film it's directed by chloe Zhao, who made the writer the kernels yeah yeah and i know that the writer was 
on Ali's and my short list for this. And I ended up leaving it out only because there was just too many amazing choices. Yeah. I think that Ali did too, but I thought it would be worth it to give uh give the writer and Chloe Zhao a shout out. Yeah. <laughs> and she totally. almost she almost made it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean just going back to like your comment, Nick, about the children actors in our selection. It's amazing what a lot of these female filmmakers can do with child actors. It's remarkable. Yeah, I was thinking about that today. I was like wondering if that is, you know, a connection with the fact that they're all uh, female directors. It might have something to do with it. Yeah, they do say that women are maternal. So yes. Maybe that's part of it. <laughs> <laughs> cool. So I'm going to go into uh, my second one here. I couldn't do an episode dedicated to female directors without talking about, in my opinion, one of the greatest American directors ever, male or female, and that is... Dorothy Arzner. For those of you who aren't familiar with Dorothy Arzner, here is a stat sheet. She directed over 20 films. She started in the silent era from 1927 to 1940. She was the only working female director in Hollywood and was by far one of the best. And she was the first woman to join the Directors Guild of America. The only hard part for me was deciding which one of her films to pick because I love, I've seen like nine of her films. I love all of them. Ultimately, I went with like her best known, most talked about film, which is Dance Girl Dance. And it stars Maureen O'Hara and Lucille Ball. So they both play, they're both into dance troupe, both of their characters. And Lucille Ball's character, whose name is Bubbles, um, <laughs> she's like all about the buck. You know, she'll take any dancing gig she can get. And Maureen O'Hara's character, she's all about the love of art. The love she's like loves the craft she just wants to dance like that's what she cares about she wants to be a ballerina so two different very different styles bubbles is like very provocative you know she like goes into burlesque but she's also very business savvy like she knows what sells and o'hara is just in love with dancing if she can just dance every day for the rest of her life she'd be happy so the two worlds collide, drama ensues. I don't want to give anything else away, but, you know, it, it's amazing. Take my word for it. This movie bombed when it came out. Oh, no. Commercial and critical failure, in part because of, like, it has such a strong feminist message in the film, as do a lot of Arzner's uh, movies. And again, this was made in 1940. But it wasn't until the feminist movement in the 70s that, like, this movie kind of found its audience again, and now it's you know, always talked about tons of essays on it. You know, they play it on TCM all the time. Lucille Ball is a knockout in this movie in every <laughs> sense of the word. Like she is gorgeous. Her performance is like a home run. If you haven't seen Lucille Ball in anything besides I Love Lucy, check out some of her films because like it cannot, it's, she is such an underrated actor. Like this is not a comedy. Like she she gives a great performance and so much of her other work is just really, really good. But everybody knows her only as, you know, Lucy, which is understandable because she's <laughs> incredible in I Love Lucy. But give this a watch just just so you can see her range and just how good she is. So, yeah, Dance Girl Dance. Check it out and check out all of Arzner's work in general. Uh, all of her movies are different. She touches on so many different genres you know she's done war films she's done like family dramas she's done slapstick comedy she's done you know this movie's a dance movie she is so versatile uh and such a chameleon as a director uh, but uh, it, every every single one of them is stellar all right Allie, 
Enough about right. Dorothy Arzner. Now the future, the future <laughs> filmmaker, Ali Shu. Oh boy. My second choice is Soyoung Kim's Treeless Mountain, which is a Korean film about two young girls who are abandoned by their mother in Korea. And it's so, it's a tearjerker. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and just like Soyoung's handling in terms of her filmmaking, it's it's breathtaking and emotional, and I mean, she just has these incredible close-ups where you're able to to completely read the emotions that these children are facing. And so it goes it goes back to Sonia's second choice of strong child performances. The performances from these two young actresses are incredible. They're really incredible. I mean, the younger of the girls, she's got to be like, what, four or something? Yeah. Five? The the older one is six. So I, I would say okay. that the younger one is probably about four. Yeah, they're, they're, they're really, really good. Yeah. And they carry the film. Like, there's <laughs> not a lot of scenes with adults in them. Like, like Sonia's choice, like Copper Nom. The, this one, there's not a lot of scenes with adults in it. And these two little girls carry carry the picture and carry it well. Yeah, I should say that both A Simple Life, my first choice, and Treeless Mountain were both major inspirations for one of my short films that I did, which was actually done, uh, shot in Hong Kong. And, mm. and so there's a lot of like visual inspiration from both of these films too. And I think I I watched them so many times, uh, like a few years ago when I was getting ready to shoot that short film in Hong Kong, that also explores mother abandonment too. Mother abandonment is unfortunately very common in Asia in general. And so in my own work, I wanted to explore it in Hong Kong because my mom grew up there. Mm. Yeah, it was a fascinating film. It really messed me up, Ali. I'm not (laughs) going to lie. (laughs) Um, Why do you think that abandonment is such a big theme? I think when uh, people in their 30s and 40s start working, they just get so busy and it's this work grind. The usual and very common way that children end up being raised by their grandparents is because of like the parents' careers. But I think for in Treeless Mountain, not giving anything away because <laughs> it happens in like the first 15 minutes, but the mom says to them that uh, she's going to, to find their dad. And so that's like one particular way that that happens where kids end up being taken care of by other family members. That's sad. It is sad. So yes, uh, Treeless Mountain. <laughs> <laughs> what won't be sad is... Our third films. Actually, I don't know what theirs are. So I, let me not. Uh, actually, mine's kind of sad, too. So if you want some more sad, stick around after the break. We got some more sad films from you on Film Forward. <laughs> if you like the music in our show, all songs are performed by the band Dub 8. Check out their new EP, Ayudame, available on iTunes and Spotify. All right, welcome back to Film Forward, everybody. We've taken our break from sad movies to bring you more sad movies. As we were discussing during the break, you know, I think everybody, you know, needs a good cry these days. So, you know, one or two sad movies thrown your way is just a good excuse to cry. And also, when you're self-isolating, nobody can see you ugly cry. So just go for it. Just get the full (laughs) chest-shaking ball. Oh, my God. 
Before the break, you were mentioning uh, one of your films from Hong Kong. Can you give us the title and where uh, people might be able to find that film if they want to check it out? Yeah, it's a, an earlier short film of mine called Sophie, which I shot in Hong Kong a few years ago. And it's on the Singaporean website of short films called Bidsee, B-I-D-D-S-E-E dot com. Link up to it also for everybody to check it out. But now we are on to everybody's third and final of their Gimme Threes. So Sonia, let's get your, your final pick here. All righty. My last film is called Leave No Trace. It came out in 2018, and it's by Deborah Granick. She actually won an Independent Spirit Award the year that this movie came out. It's called the Bonnie Award. It's sponsored by American Airlines, and it's to honor innovative, risk-taking female filmmakers. So she won that for this movie, or for her work in general, but the year this movie came out. And I would say that this movie is part of my new favorite genre of which I have found two films so far. And that's dads that raise their children in the woods, (laughs) (laughs) but in present day, like intentionally raising them in the woods. The other one is Captain Fantastic. But yeah, in this movie, Ben Foster plays a veteran who is raising his daughter by himself. She's a teenage, like an early teenager, adolescent She's played by Thomason McKenzie, who was in um, Jojo Rabbit this year. She played the girl that was hiding in there in the house. Basically, in the movie, Ben Foster and his daughter are living in a park in Portland. I'm like a large park, not just like a little neighborhood park, like a it looks like a forest, and um, in a tent. And they're kind of living off the land and doing it all legally. And then they get found out and um, are forced to like go live in in an apartment. And it's about the two of them trying to adjust to, you know, quote unquote, normal life. And it's, it's really mostly the, the daughter's story more than the father, but they're both really great characters. And um, again, she's not five, you know, she's like 14 or 15, but another just like incredible performance. Um, when I saw that she was going to be in Jojo Rabbit, I was like, oh, well this movie's going to be amazing because this girl is just incredible. Yes, it's really good. It also has these incredible scenes with like a beekeeper that oh, I guess that's another theme I'm really into right now movies about beekeepers because <laughs> I was super into Honeyland also <laughs> um <laughs> great Honeyland's a great movie <laughs> it was I totally actually thought of Leave No Trace while I was watching that um I was like mm. why are beekeeper women like just so empathetic and amazing <laughs> beekeepers are hot right now it's hot <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, I just I really love this movie. Have you guys seen it? I have not actually. I ha- I have not either. I stumped Nick. That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> this is the first time he's ever not seen one of the movies. Well, it's really great. I I really recommend it. Maybe it's we'll do the, a double feature with this and Captain Fantastic since you've been trying to get me to watch that for whatever, 5 years also. That's true. <laughs> That's true. Although I also think that this would be a great pair with Lean on Pete, which I know Nick did see. Mm. Yeah, I did like about that a little boy and a racehorse. Um, oh. Not a happy movie, as as fun as that sounds. <laughs> <laughs> um, would Lean on Pete be a good pairing with uh, the rider? 
Yes, it probably would. <laughs> uh, we just go like in a circle and it all goes back to a league of their own somehow. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Leave No Trace. It's a really beautiful movie. Um, I highly recommend it. Cool. Uh, thank you, Sonia. Um, it's time for my third one, which is a film that came out in 1997. It's called Eve's Bayou. And it's directed by Cassie Lemons. This was her first feature. And it's probably one of the most impressive directorial debuts I've ever seen. I'm going to tread really lightly on the setup because it's really best to go into this film as cold as possible. But it's about a young girl, Eve, who's played by Journey Smollett, whose brother got uh, famous for doing something really dumb last year but anyways she's a great actress <laughs> her world is turned upside down her family's going through some rough stuff she discovers that her father who's played by samuel l jackson his character is a doctor she finds out he's been unfaithful to her mother while he's like you know making his rounds as the as a doctor so she starts exploring voodoo in ways to deal with this i've already feel like i've given away too much jesus there's plenty of surprises <laughs> to be had beyond what I said. So, so check it out. It takes place in Louisiana, like just outside of new Orleans. The locations are gorgeous. The film is gorgeous. It's beautifully shot. Uh, I was lucky enough to uh, see a film print of this last year and it was just, the colors are incredible. The DP, Amy Vincent, uh, she is not working enough. You know what? She is working, but she's like doing second unit stuff right now. And, what? Like camera opping, like I like, like looked her up today. I'm like, what? Why? Why is this woman not shooting huge films? And she does one like every ten years, but she needs to be working more. Amy Vincent, I see you. So yeah, I mean, check this out, Eve's Bayou. It's it's really good. It's it's also got an incredible cast. A young Megan Good plays uh, Eve's sister. It's it's really fun. And the director, Cassie Lemons, she just did Harriet. That came out last year, which oh, is wow. which is also really good. If you haven't seen that, check that out. Um, That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, Journey. I mean, she was famous for her role in um, Full House. Yeah, that's right. Oh, that's what she was in Full House. Yeah, I totally forgot about that. Yeah, and then she was most recently in Birds of Prey, also mm-hmm. directed by a female director, right, Kathy Ann. Yeah. She's really great in this. Another amazing child performance to chalk up to this. We could have we could have named this podcast uh, <laughs> "Great Child Performances." Also, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Allie, let's yeah. get your third and final. Oh man, my third and final is Jane Campion's "Bright Star," which is about the. It's a love story about the English romantic poet John Keats and his romance with Fanny Braun. Keats died at a really young age. Braun was an accomplished seamstress, which he met like a few years before he passed away. And um, I loved Jane's, Jane Campion's approach to telling the story more from Fanny's perspective. And I, I really love and respect that. And I enjoy, as a, as a director myself, I really love seeing the way that female filmmakers like Jane Campion handle biopics, especially about women. And while this is obviously about John Keats and his love for Fanny, 
Um, I loved how she took it from a different angle and really brought in Fanny's perspective. Yeah, I've seen it too. And I would say it's about Fanny, even though John Keats is like maybe the way in because that's who, like I didn't know who she was before I watched the film, but I knew who he was. But yeah, I mean, it's really about her, you know, as I like to say, it's like her gaze and her perspective um, on this guy. I was impressed because in a way they both seemed kind of foolish to me like young like that young love thing so you could kind of be like oh gosh guys but then it was also like incredibly moving and deep and you felt this like intensity of their like love and attraction for each other yeah it's it's (laughs) heart-wrenching it really is yeah there's there's a scene towards the end that I was like oh god (laughs) I was like if anyone ever says this to me (laughs) (laughs) please don't you know what there's there's two scenes that I really like loved in that movie and uh tell me if you agree or if there's any ones that stand out to you besides these I'm sure there are many but uh there's a scene when Fanny and John first kiss and they're like walking behind her her little sister who's like six or something and they're like stealing kisses from each other and then every time the little girl walks by they drop hands and like pretend like they're not looking at each other (laughs) yeah yeah no I I rewatched it like a couple days ago and yeah I remember that scene it was it's so emotional like the the way that it's shot and it's so simple and I I was reading an interview with Jane Campion and that was something that um, they really strive for is the simplicity in the whole look and the cinematography, which is so hard to master in like in a in a period film where you want to like show the world. But I love how simple everything is. That moment, for example, it's it's all in the interactions and the performances and and how special their romance is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. It doesn't have that showiness that you expect, like of the locations and stuff mm-hmm. from period pieces. I mean, even the costumes, you know, as you said, Fanny's a seamstress or a designer yeah. and her yeah. and the, the clothes and the textiles are incredible in this movie, but they aren't like the focus of the scene. Like you're not right. watching it to be like, look at that dress. But every <laughs> single thing they're wearing is pretty amazing. Yep. We couldn't leave Jane Campion out. That's true. Yeah, the piano was was almost would have made it, except I knew you were doing a Jane Campion, and I said, okay, well, let's represent nine different women instead of do- doubling yeah. up. <laughs> true. I did actually watch the piano recently in order to like get to know like Jane Campion's work more, and I mean, it's the piano is just like it's such a masterpiece on so many levels. <laughs> yeah. I think that Holly Hunter and Anna Paquin won Oscars for that movie. Yeah. Um, another example, Anna Paquin was like 12 yeah. when yeah. she won that. <laughs> yeah, it's a, I mean, that's an incredible movie. There's a great Jane Campion series right now on the Criterion channel. If you subscribe to the Criterion channel uh, streaming service, and if you don't, you need to do that immediately. But once you do, there's they have a great... Jane Campion series. I think it's like eight or nine of her movies are on there. And there's a great interview with Holly Hunter on Jane Campion and a great interview with Jane Campion herself on there. So I would, I would check it out. So there you go guys and ladies in honor of women's history month, nine incredible filmmakers to check out. 
and they just happen to be women. I'll do a little recap. We have A League of Their Own by Penny Marshall, Dance Girl Dance by Dorothy Arzner, Eve's Bayou by Cassie Lemons, Capernaum by Nadine Labaki, The Virgin Suicides by Sophia Coppola, Leave No Trace by Deborah Granick, Bright Star by Jane Campion, A Simple Life by Anne Hui, and A Treeless Mountain by So Young Kim. Check them out. Let us know what you think. Leave us a comment, or you can hit us up on Instagram at Nicholas Ibarra. Allie, where can they find you at? Uh, they can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Allie Shu, A-L-L-E-H-S-U. Yeah. Cool. Our Instagram is at LA Diversity Film Fest. Hit us up. Allie, thanks so much for joining us again. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. And everybody should apply to LA Diversity Film Festival. <laughs> Yes, come check it out. For now, as of now, we're we're still doing a film festival. We uh, we'll see how these next few months go, but for now, uh, everything's going as planned. August twenty seventh through the thirtieth. And thank you for being more on top of plugging our festival than we are, <laughs> Allie. <laughs> I <appreciate Yeah>. that. <laughs> The festival is great. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you so much for saying that. Thank you all for listening. We will catch you guys next time on Film Forward. Our recording engineer and mixer is Anselm Kennedy. The podcast is produced by Anselm, Sonia Maru, and yours truly. Thanks for joining us on Film Forward, and you'll hear us next time.